Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 157, episode 5 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Friday, October 30th, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Jocula. Ooh, just kidding, guys. It's it's still me. I'm not I'm not the scary ghost. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. With so many stories on TDZ, it's kind of hard being Jack and Miles a G, but we somehow, some way, keep saying shit like fuck Fox News like every single day. May I kick a little something for the Zeit gang? Mm. TDZ, shout out to Dan. <laughs> To in stew rolling blunts and I'm high right now because Jack and Anna ain't home. Okay, and this <laughs> motherfucker, this ex, this fucking AK keeps going, but I'm gonna just hit the chorus one more time. I am Miles G, smoking homegrown, looking up trending news, faded with my mind on some hot takes and some hot takes on my mind. Shout out Woo! to you, Exlocutioner. There we go. A bit of Exlocutioner. A wow. Exlocutioner. That's on like some lingua Discord. franca type shit. That's you know dope. what I mean? Yeah. Exlocutioner. Exlocutioner. Um, oh, okay. So it's not yeah. like elocution. Um, no. I mean, who knows? We we don't know the origin of this name, but we'll give him credit. Okay. Um, Miles. It's election yeah. time. It's uh, COVID time. We're trimming down the format, getting right into all the shit there is to talk about. Uh, today, yeah. we are talking about, you know, we're not usually a true crime podcast, uh, but there is a mystery mm-hmm. to solve. What yeah. happened to Tucker Carlson's documents? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about those explosive documents that went missing, uh, as well as just how the GOP just can't quit this hunter biden shit uh we're gonna talk about david Perdue uh going up against asif in a debate we're gonna talk about um the armenia azerbaijan conflict we're gonna talk about oregon where their health official announced COVID stats and clown makeup and we're gonna talk about kim kardashian's birthday because uh, that is important. The full spectrum. Uh, all of that. We might even get to Nickelodeon's presidential election for kids. Um, but first, we'd like to introduce uh, our guest in our third seat. Uh, he is a real journalist. Uh, he is uh, the host and executive producer of one of our newest shows, Q Clearance. He is the hilarious, the talented, the brilliant Jake Hammerhand. What's up, man? Hi. Yeah, I'm good, man. I feel like I should start singing or something now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. How welcome. you doing? <laughs> welcome, welcome. Uh, what's what's good, man? How how has your uh, dive into the world of uh, Q clearance of the Q conspiracy been treating your mental health. First of all, let me ask. Uh, it, you know what? It's it's like so tiring, <laughs> like constantly <laughs> having to remind myself about all these weird terms that they've come up with. Um, but mm. you know what? The, the liberating thing with it. Once I just let go, like how can they believe that? How have they tied them two together? When you let go and just go, okay, they do. That's it. You just it's much easier. <laughs> you know, you don't find yeah. a reason right, to right, it, right, right. Yeah. I always feel like when I'm listening to you kind of give people insight and like just, you know, it's a it's a great primer for the whole Q conspiracy. If you have a parent, perhaps, who's dabbling uh, and you want to just explain it and like get that shit 
over with once and for all. It's great for that. Um, but I always feel a little bit of embarrassment because uh, you are not American and this is a uniquely dumbly American product <laughs> of our culture. So just like hearing you be like, yeah, these, right. these motherfuckers. We, we've got <laughs> him now, sake. though. We, we have like British QAnons as well. Like, oh, hell yeah. Just like everything else, you know, you give us that's bad, we've exported that and taken it as well. So, yeah, we've got, right. you know, we've yeah. got obesity from McDonald's and we've got QAnon now as well. So it is what it is, yeah. man. But it's, uh, it's been definitely an eye-opener to see the way that, you know, this is accumulated online. But, yeah, it's, it's here to stay <laughs> for the moment anyway. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people who engage in it are using it purely to sort of avoid a reality in which there is like systemic racism and a bungled COVID-19 response? Or do you think like, or is there a split of people who are so dedicated to this very narrowly that it's like, well, yeah, I know that stuff going on, but this Q stuff too is really real. I'd say the majority of people are very like hardcore dedicated to it i mean you'd have to be the very first prediction completely failed and <laughs> didn't happen so to follow right. it from then on like you have to be but there are certainly i'd say even within them hardcore elements there's there's a part of it where it's just like i think with any conspiracy theorist like life is quite boring in a way you know what i mean like often mm -hmm. often the the even when it's a corruption case often the details are, are nowhere near as like dramatic as it would you know, as, as it would be if it was on a film or whatever. So it's almost like they just spice up their life a little bit with just bullshit. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. Wow. Right. And I can kind you of see it. You know. Spice up your life. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I understand in a way, but it's crazy. It turns the internet and just, you know, we have this endless amount of information and it uses that to like turn reality into the Da Vinci code, which is right. a thing that we know <laughs> exactly. they loved. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. know Americans love that shit. Yeah. Um, all right. I Jake. read that whole book, you know, when I was like 19. Yeah. And I got to the end and was like, what the fuck did I do that for? Like, you know, yeah. I was like, why me did I too. Do I had that? the exact same response. So much time. My, uh, I had relatives who really enjoyed it, and I was it, the only effect it had was me being like, "Man, they are kind of dumb." Um, <laughs> I felt like everyone's like, for me, all my white friends' dads were reading the division. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. and I was like, "All right, I'm good on this." this and then all your white friends' dads are now QAnon subscribers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might have to go back and do a little analysis. There, there something. There may be some overlap. might be a connection there. Yeah. Um, all right, Jake. We like to start off by asking our guests, what is something from your search history uh, that's revealing about who you are or what you're Boy, up to? I had a look, actually, just before, um, and it was it was pretty weird. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, this is weird. One is uh, Frazzle Drip. Do you know what that is? Mm -mm. No. So, <laughs> that's the conspiracy theory from QAnon's that there's a video of Hillary Clinton cutting off a kid's face and wearing it. Which, yeah, oh. so I, yeah, I know it's fucked up. What they a, believed a, a what video. What a fun like name exists. for such a horrifying thing. Yeah, like, yeah. What? So I looked that up. That sounds like a weird, like, drug term inside the Sesame Street universe. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah. 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 Like, what's wrong with, Oscar? with Elmo? Yeah. yeah. Oscar. Like, uh, oh. Got that frazzle drip. Yeah, um, it was frazzle drip. And then I looked again, it was suicide drones. 
And then yeah. the other was Xanax, which I wasn't looking for for myself. I can't remember why I searched that, but yeah. Yeah, that seems to be trending lately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, two mentions in the row. <laughs> yeah, two, two shows in, in a row. row Xanax yeah, mentions. If, really? if we get a Xanax mention on tomorrow's episode, that's going to be the, uh, the old trifecta. That means to go out and buy Xanax stock. <laughs> yeah, that means GlaxoSmithKline <laughs> will be uh, our presenting sponsor. They switched the samples. Sorry, what was the second thing that you searched? Uh, suicide suicide drone. Yeah. So can you explain what suicide drones are or why you were searching that? Yeah, well, it, it ties into the Armenia-Azerbaijan conflict. There's a lot of them are being used. Some people call them loitering munitions, which I don't know why. I think, you know, it is by its very nature a suicide drone. So it's like essentially a UAV, like unmanned aircraft, but not like the kind of ones that you know, Obama and Bush were sending out over Yemen. I'm like, these are small ones, right? With like bombs attached to them. And they just, I mean, you see when they get the target, they just fly into it, right? Like imagine there was a little, oh, wow. like, it's like, imagine there was like a borrower and he was a kamikaze pilot. It's that basically. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And they're very, very like, I mean, it's just, it's almost impossible to get away from them. You know, like you've seen, you see footage of them and you just see it flying down and then it goes blank. Obviously that's when it's landed. But yeah, right. so I, I was just kind of researching them and just like, fuck, this is scary, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd imagine those are easier to kind of pull off and get your hands on, right? Because it doesn't require a giant military grade. Exactly. Well, China weapon. and like America and Israel, they're all making their own. Um, but I remember like in Iraq, um, ISIS were making their own, which they were just, you know, like a... a a DJI or DJI, whatever it is, like yeah. the little drones you get off Amazon, you put it in your pocket, yeah. right? They would get them and they would attach like uh, a mortar round to it and they had like some mechanical arm. So they were, you know, there was a way they could rig it to let go and they would just fly above people and just let go, you know, and then the mortar round would drop. And that's yeah, just... what all soldiers were like just terrified of, man, because, you know, you hear zzz and everybody's running. Right, right, yeah. right, yeah. Wow. And I think the, the, the name is so... Like the euphemistic loitering mu- munitions, as yeah. if they're like teenagers smoking cigarettes <laughs> by like a convenience exactly. store. Like yeah. what the fuck, like loitering munitions. Jesus Christ! There's oh, so many things chilling. like that in conflict, and it's like say what it is, right. you know? Yeah, right. But uh, I guess that's how we keep that uh, military-industrial complex humming. Where it's like, no, I don't make suicide drones. I make right. loitering, yeah, I make loitering <laughs> munitions. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Don't make that's this right. barbecue yeah. awkward. <laughs> they, yeah. they do have the best barbecues uh the military industrial complex. oh yeah you go I've to somebody said, who works for raytheon Woo! Yeah, Boy. Oh, they got man. the good shit uh <laughs> what jake is something you think is underrated i was thinking about this actually and this is kind of a bit of an abstract one but i think it's underrated uh going on websites that aren't social media like i was talking to someone the other day and i was like you know i mentioned it and they're like why do you even have a website like What's the point anymore? I was like, what? Like, there's <laughs> right. so many, you know, there's so many cool websites still out there, but all anybody does is just go on social media now. Um, so I think that's definitely underrated. Like, you can find some cool message boards and stuff. I, I you know, I grew up on the internet, man, and I, I hate the way social media just ring-fenced it all into this, like, argument. But, um, yeah, underrated. Going on other websites that aren't social media. Yeah. What, what kind of websites are you trafficking? Like, what time are you, what, what are you heading to to get off the social media? Um, 
Pornhub. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> Sponsor like, the show. Uh, <laughs> no, like all sorts of stuff. Like I was reading a uh, message board the other day about um, Baofeng <laughs> radios and ham radio and stuff like that. And it's really nerdy, but I was just looking at it and it was so cool to just see them in their own little community, completely detached from anyone else. Like there's no one chirping in and being like, oh, fucking nerds or like, right, 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 you right. know, vote now or whatever. Like, it was just Mega! like, like what? yeah, right. Like it was some Nazi or whatever. It was just like these guys having some crazy, like very uh, nerdy conversation about ham radios. And I, I don't fully understand most of what they were saying, but I guess I just, I just got lost in it, you know? And I was like, oh, this right. is great. Uh, yeah i do yeah, that sometimes uh, with just like plumbing uh when if there's like a plumbing issue or like some issue i have to figure out around the house or like finding a uh a manual for something like you go into a forum that's like just super expert and it's like ah i feel like i'm in the 80s all the stuff right? like, <laughs> yeah yeah there's something really you, like yeah, nice about it Sorry. Yeah. yeah, or you have a question, you go into like a message board and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna engage this message board and I'm gonna dabble. <laughs> and like everyone's super nice, like like doing like the most friendly mansplaining of like a electrical issue. Yeah. They're like, yeah. Okay, let me let me walk you through this. I'm like, damn, this motherfucker had fifteen minutes to type this like screed, but very informative. Uh yeah. and was like very kind. Cause other places you feel like Reddit, you go to other places where there's like communities going, you ask a dumb question, like, what the what you just fucking find yeah. out yesterday about this shit yeah, yeah. it's nice when you go yeah, places like, and like yes. they want to share the info <laughs> yeah i, I, yeah. I had Here. a thing um on twitter i was like asking how to get a radio code for like this shit car that i had and this guy i screenshot it somewhere this guy was like kill yourself dickhead and i was like <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks <laughs> fucking crazy man i was like oh twitter is not the place to ask anything man no yeah. absolutely not I thought one of the best metaphors of the uh, of that show, uh, that movie, The Social Dilemma, was them talking about um, how, like, imagine if when you went to Wikipedia, like, the page just changed depending on what they thought you wanted to read. Mm, like, that's, right. and that's what your social media reality is. And that's all anybody uses anymore. Like, that's, that's what's... Right. <laughs> That's what's fucking Yeah, like there are times when I was like, I thought I used to be more into like f street cars. And I'm like, that's just because at a moment I was scrolling a bunch of shit and it kept giving giving me like this information. It's weird how I found like after watching The Social Dilemma, trying to realize how much it was informing like what I was getting interested in, like yeah. even very passively. Not that it was like I was getting, you know, radicalized on the Internet, but I was like, oh, I'm more into like, you know, Nissan Skyline GTR picks or things like that. And then suddenly and now it's like. Oh, do you like uh like fantastic throw blankets? Because I'm I was like cold in my house and I was like I need a throw blanket, but I'm like what happened to my skyline content? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's freaky. Yeah. Shit's freaky. Your taste in Nissans has always been a little radical. Uh, I've well, you know that's that. the thing. You know, I had you a cousin in Japan who had a Skyline. It. People yeah. don't know this. They don't have them shits in the U.S. They don't know the beauty about that car. I mean, unless <laughs> you fuck the old with the Japanese ones, I love them. You know, yeah. like the old Japanese, the right ones, the boxy drive. ones. Yeah, love yeah. them, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I see a sports those... car and I'm like, fuck, that's horrible. I see one of them old yeah. school nineties boxy Nissans. Love it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on Especially that. Especially those tail, the circular tail lights, baby. Woo! Should look like a Batmobile. On a budget. Definitely. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is overrated, Jake? Uh, Borat, the second one. Didn't get like, <laughs> the hype. Nah. It's it, just like, yeah, it, it, it hits different. It was very on or the nose. Yeah, or not all, right? It was very on the nose. 
And it, I just found that, like, you know, I could almost excuse the first one when it's like, fuck, I'm glad I'm not from Kazakhstan because I would feel horrible. But then it's like the second one, when he's kind of trying to be, like, a little bit woke and a little bit clever politically, but then also being, like, completely destroying Kazakhstan's image. It's like, which part mm. of the joke is that? <laughs> you know, like, and I love, a, I love a distasteful joke, but it was like, hang on, you can't have it both ways, right? You can't suddenly be like, oh, I'm this, you know, this liberal guy bringing up this clever satire and also fuck Kazakhstan from where I've never been, you know? <laughs> right, like, because it's so, poor. Yeah. Right, it's poor. And I was a bit like, nah, it's, for me, it's not landing. I thought The Daughter was great. I would have rather mm-hmm. have watched just a film of Borat's kid, basically, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. But um, I didn't know. I, I really... It felt very on the nose to me. I laughed once, and that was when they when he did the Trudeau thing, when the black Trudeau oh, and the black yeah. face. Like, that was funny. I was like, okay, this is funny. But after that, I just, I don't know, man. I think maybe yeah. I've just grown up and just become cynical and a prick. You know what I mean? But for me, it just didn't land. Yeah. I, I laughed. Like, the laughs I had weren't the same I used to have, where I was like, mm. oh, wow, this is a really... He's, like, examining the really fucked up parts of our society in this way. Before, I was just like... Oh, he's grossing this crowd out, and that's yeah, fucked yeah, up. Yeah. And I was more laughing at that more than like this is brilliant because he's playing with like sure. their feelings of of uh, propriety or whatever. I was like, nah, this is just a gross out joke that was felt like a good prank. But yes, yeah, like there was yeah. also, I think, given where we are now, or as more people are, you know, more aware of what the country is actually like, it's just sort of like, I don't know. Thank I, you, I just Borat. didn't need it, you know, like, do I need Borat to tell right. me? Like, not really, you know, like, maybe people yeah. do, you know, but for me, I just, nah, I wasn't the one, man. When you're so, neck you know deep what, in Q research, <laughs> yeah, really yeah, 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 right. right? But I never, yeah. I realized, though, I never really liked Borat anyway. I felt like Ali G was a piss tape because, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen is a very, very... um elite rich kid <laughs> and he was like right. mugging off like british underclass kids and i was like okay and right. but i love bruno like i fucking i, I would love see 10, bruno is so funny like i would watch yeah. that 10 hundred times like i love that <laughs> and all that does is just expose people's like homophobia you know it's not right. really hurting anyone else as far as i'm aware yeah yeah uh he yeah some some of the bruno shit that he would do with just uh <laughs> Not, not even like exposing homophobia, just like the physical comedy of like be, uh, being like, okay, now express that to our hearing impaired viewers, but like, like oh, go right big. with no words, yeah, I, yeah with no words, like and the guy just yeah. like put his <laughs> yeah. hands up in the air. Yeah. Oh shit, that was maybe the hardest I've ever laughed at anything. Uh, all right, let's talk real quick uh, about this Georgia debate. Mm-hmm. Um, Senator David Perdue, uh, yep. which is probably not how he talks, but uh, I've never well, heard him talk, know, so we'll go with that. He's um, one of those senators, you know, who got caught dumping stock uh, back in February. Yeah, uh, but you know, I think it's because he just had one of those Wall Street precogs in his basement who just mm-hmm. knew when the market would crash and just told yeah. him, and it wasn't anything to do with his access to pandemic-related research or information as a sitting United States senator uh, that affected his stock dumping. Either way. He was investigated for it. It's a big deal. He's running against John Ossoff. And right now they are in a deadlocked race, uh, which a lot of people, you know, Georgia has become more and more purple, veering on maybe blue based on like, Mm. you know, the slight advantage Biden has. But that's with polls. And that's when like things like votes are counted. So we don't know what that means quite yet. Uh, But in this debate, John Ossoff, it's just refreshing again. Like, I know there's a lot of things going on, but sometimes we just have to take a second to breathe when you just have like John Ossoff, who's just, you know, likable guy. And he's just doing that thing where he's debating like a 
you know, a Republican senator who is more just like a skin sack powered by petro dollars. Uh, mm. And then you have John Ossoff, who's just going to be like talk very straight up to him. Uh, and this he just starts off with this one. And this had everybody on Twitter being like, oh, wow, this is this is a sad, sad state of uh, debate. Senator Perdue would have been able to respond properly to the COVID-19 pandemic if you hadn't been fending off multiple federal investigations for insider trading. Mm. It's yeah. not just that you're a crook, Senator. <laughs> it's that you're attacking the health of the people that you represent. You did say COVID-19 was no deadlier than the flu. You did say there would be no significant uptick in cases. All the while, you were looking after your own assets and your own portfolio, and you did vote four times to end protections for pre-existing conditions. So this whole Mm. time, David Perdue, he's doing this thing where he's trying to be straight-faced, even though he's getting fucking straight ethered on the debate Mm. stage, (laughs) where he's like... (sighs) (laughs) Just like rocking back and forth. He's like, I... um, I That's... swear I have something to say. If it weren't for this <laughs> damn debate format, I'd be uh, defending myself. Uh, hey, can I go ahead and lie real quick? Okay, so what John Ossoff <laughs> just said is a fake. Okay, right. that didn't. Fake I news. mean, like it's really, really bad. So they go on later on. He's saying like I, I did vote for this and that, and it, it just fell very flat. Then Ossoff goes off on Purdue once again because, dude, Purdue, like a lot of these Republicans now in the Trump era, are just you know, they've they've left the dog whistles at home and they're just straight bullhorning their racism or anti-Semitism, xenophobia, whatever phobia. And John Ossoff also has some energy for that and just, again, dismantles him. So this is so beneath the office of a U.S. senator. You've continued to demean yourself throughout this campaign with your conduct. First, you were lengthening my nose in attack ads to remind everybody that I'm Jewish. Then when that didn't work, you started calling me some kind of Islamic terrorist. Jesus. And then when that didn't work, you started calling me a Chinese communist. It's ridiculous. And you shouldn't do everything that your handlers in Washington tell you to, because you'll lose your soul along the way, Senator. Ooh, eviscerated, <laughs> eviscerated in such a calm way. Like, yeah, I love yeah. that. This shit is just. Um, it's, and Purdue is just up there again, looking straight ahead into camera, like, uh huh. Yeah, I guess I did do all this. Well, yeah, he was literally he was altering photos of Ossoff to make his nose look. It was he's doing this like really blatant, just nasty shit. Uh, but you know, we shall see. Uh, what the good people of Georgia decide on election day, but it's it's definitely tightening, and it, it, there was really not much you know Purdue could say to defend against that of just being like, oh, I don't know. Well, so Purdue you know, has been in the lead, and Ossoff is like kind of closing the gap. That sort of that sort of deal. Yeah, like it's gotten cl- tighter and tighter and tighter now. And the other race with Kelly Leffler, I mean, she's <laughs> she's the Democrat is probably going to uh, is definitely making it to the runoff in January. But yeah, it doesn't look good for. Republican senators in the state of Georgia at the moment. Mm. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. And we're back. And the Republican Party, the president's committee to reelect himself, cannot quit this Hunter Biden shit. They are back on it. 
Rudy had that interview with Kennedy a couple days back in which he claimed he had explosive diarrhea or explosive evidence yeah, that evidence. shows that uh, Biden's are in cahoots with a Chinese spy master. That was even hard to watch by Rudy's standards when we right. saw Kennedy look at him and be like, R- really, Rudy? And it he really had that energy, Rudy, where he's like old man at a buffet insisting that his 17-year-old coupons are still valid, <laughs> like to the manager. Like, that's what he sounds like when he's trying to spread these smears. And I was like, I'm, I'm telling you, this there's an expiration. This doesn't. I'm sorry, sir. And so, you know, Steve Bannon, also another person who's been doing his best to bang the whatever conspiracy drums he can on his media appearances, podcasts. And now Tucker Carlson has, I don't know, I guess won the award for one of the saddest attempts at manufacturing a controversy uh, because he claims he has these explosive documents that will just fucking put an end to Hunter Biden. But here's the thing. FedEx stole them. So um, we should be talking about that. It's it's such a weird dud of a thing that he did last night. I'm just going to play part of his yeah, opening. Yeah, the clip is amazing. Um, where he's really trying to let people know, like, guys, if it weren't for, uh, well, I guess it'll, I can't I mention that. I would have a better guy, show tonight if, if yeah. it weren't for. I can't mention that the guy who runs FedEx is a huge Trump donor. So he also won't call out FedEx by name. So he's in a really tough spot trying to like smear uh, whatever slash not uh, get in the way of FedEx's business. But here is Tucker Carlson with his just a caper. My executive producer, Justin Wells, and I were in Los Angeles preparing to interview Tony Bobolinsky about the Biden's business dealings in China, Ukraine and other countries. So we texted a producer in New York and we asked him to send those documents to us in L.A. And he did that. The so only copies of this week, he shipped those documents overnight to California with a large national carrier, a brand name company that we've used, <laughs> you've used countless times. FedEx. A single problem. But the Biden documents never arrived in Los Angeles. Tuesday morning, we received word from the shipping company that our package had been opened and the contents were missing. The documents had disappeared. Now, to its credit, the company took this very seriously and immediately began a search. They traced the envelope from the moment our producers dropped it off in Manhattan on Monday all the way to 3.44 a.m. yesterday morning. That's when an employee at a sorting facility in another state noticed that our package was open and empty. Okay, so this goes on where he starts giving a play-by-play about how, like, he's like, they 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 interviewed every single person who may have interacted with it. And they the have, warehouse. Yeah. And then so then he so after all of that, right, because this was all just a setup, uh, presumably to be like, yo, Hunter Biden is on some bullshit. But it just turns into like a FedEx lost our damning evidence. He, he kind of cuts to the chase towards at the end because we're like, what is this all about, Tucker? And then so now he's trying to, I guess, build some kind of conspiracy from this. Those documents have vanished. As of tonight, the company has no idea and no working theory even about what happened to this trove of materials, documents that are directly relevant to the presidential campaign just six days from now. We spoke to executives at that company a few hours ago. They seemed baffled and deeply bothered by this. And so are we. Okay. Um, on Wonkat, they're very they they're quick to point out, obviously, that I don't know if you remember Tucker, the lawyers for Fox are saying Tucker Carlson is not a journalist. Okay, he just says some shit. It's like performance art. So you can't actually 
hold him accountable by any sort of journalistic standard about what he says. So yeah, okay. Well, I, with that in mind, and I look at this, I'm like, what is? It doesn't even make sense, right? If you had these documents, why you don't you send have a made PDF? Copies. You wouldn't have right. scanned them in and sent a PDF. You wouldn't have. What it's, the? F- it only what? makes sense to people over the age of sixty-five who are like used to a world where like everything isn't digitized and, uh, you know, immediately backed up, especially something that is like election altering uh, and important. It only makes sense if you're if you. Like your brain still exists in the early '80s, basically. Right. Oof. I'm surprised. I'm again. If it was that important, Tucker, it feels like something you would actually say to an older parent. You're like, why would you mail that? Just right. Just scan it. Take a photo or something. Don't yeah, I was thinking. Send that. the social security card. <laughs> it would I literally put... be quicker to take a picture of every single page and send it. <laughs> I haven't put something in, in the mail in. 10 years without taking a picture of it with my phone. Like I always do that because what if the mail loses it? You got to like have some evidence that you put it in the mail. They didn't think to do that. Um, And I I think that raises questions about Tucker Carlson's show and whether they're in cahoots with the Biden campaign. Um, Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because they're, it looks like Tucker Carlson is willfully hiding evidence of uh, improprieties that are occurring on the Biden side of things. So uh, I don't know, maybe Tucker Carlson's a lib. I don't know what's going on. But it's all just part of this undying, just dedication to this October surprise where like they're so rigidly still like locked into the Hillary Clinton mindset of like, let's get something with emails and the FBI and something else. And then that's how voters will somehow ignore the last you know three and a half four years of this administration or something like that right it's just not it's not working for them i I would love to go out on the town with hunter biden like that's all i gotta say oh absolutely fun guy to go out with you know yeah yeah no they're going after the wrong person too like where most people like hunter biden is relatable like most american people know somebody who's Yeah, or like has struggled with any kind of substance abuse issues, and you're like, oh man, right? Like that's not yeah, that, the whole whatever. of America. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. Right. And like now that like, but the way Trump is talking about is like, this guy's a bum, huh? Can you believe it? Joe Biden right. said he loved his addict son. What the fuck, America? <laughs> you want this soft ass as a president? You're like, what the fuck? Uh, Most people statistically have probably encountered something like this in their life more than even like half the other bullshit that he spews. But I guess we should keep in mind too that Rudy. Uh, and Steve Bannon also uh, have some legal liability, so it, they would be doing their best to try and keep this president in office in case they needed some kind of pardon, uh, whether that's Rudy's, you know, <laughs> foreign lobbying work that has still gone unresolved or Steve Bannon's, you know, build the wall fraud uh, festival uh, where he's got like, what, $25 million uh, out, of, out of thin air. So can the president, like assuming... There's not a massive polling error. I still, I still am very worried about Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania is the swing state, and the polling is like very tight in Pennsylvania. But just in the scenario where Trump loses, can he act more unaccountable? Like, can he be, be like, you know, he's acted so far like he doesn't know that anybody like could be paying attention and uh, prosecuting him. But like if he's a, a lame duck president, like just dropping fucking pardons left and right, like he's going to, it's going to be a sight to behold. If, yeah. if we actually come to that point. 
Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be some executive orders and things like that, like spite orders on the way out. If, again, that assumes that uh, we get to Tuesday and it's not outright rat fuck fest 2020 when it comes to counting ballots and things like that, because we're already seeing, uh, you know, a lot of tense, uh, you know, ballot counters and things like that, hoping that we get through this somewhat scot-free. But yeah, I mean... Uh, who knows? I don't think there's any limit to what he'll attempt, especially, you know, we see what he looks like when he has his back against the wall and he he does he will bring everything down with him. Yeah. But Pennsylvania is going to be a complete fucking rap fuck fest there because they can't start counting until the day of the election. So it's going to look like uh, Trump won a blowout when everybody goes to bed on election night we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see who knows hey come on now let's live in the present and then uh, (laughs) we'll deal with that shit when it creeps up on our doorstep yeah yeah uh let's talk about the uh armenia azerbaijan conflict i feel like the mission of our show is to look at the american zeitgeist but um Mm. you know we also i feel like there there is generally a like stories like this should be part of the American zeitgeist, right? Like the America Absolutely. should should care more about conflicts that are happening overseas that uh, don't directly involve uh, the American military. Um, yeah. But yeah, Miles, you you were pointing out that the LA Times has been doing some reporting, and uh, it's kind of intersected with just stuff you're seeing with your own friends. Yeah, uh, I mean, in terms of you this know, conflict, our, for for in LA, you know, the the most Armenians living outside of Armenia reside in Southern California. So I've grown yeah. up around Armenian people playing sports with like our hockey teams, my high school, my personal life, uh my godchildren. They're, you know, like we you you if you're in LA, you know about the Armenian experience and about a month ago, I saw all the flags come out. Normally, it's on April 24th, marking the the genocide, but mm. the flags started coming out in force, and I did not know what was going on. I started seeing this hashtag of Artsakh Strong. I'm like, what is happening? Then I look around, and you realize that it's going off over this very contested region, which Armenia and Azerbaijan had fought over in the late 80s, early 90s. So from there, I was like, okay, so... This is a hotly contested uh, region. I've known it even like from soccer because on, on Arsenal, we had an Armenian player named Henrik Mikatarian, who's Armenian. We were playing the uh, Europa League final in Azerbaijan, and it was very controversial because he was saying he did not want to play in Azerbaijan because of the Karabakh region. Uh, and so it was like, so I was like, damn, this is a lot is swirling around here. And now in the LA Times, because of the communities that are in this city, we are starting to see a lot of men and women leaving Los Angeles to go to Armenia to fight. Um, Because for a lot of Armenians who have been displaced, they look at the reason being in Los Angeles or outside of Armenia as an extension of unstable relations in that region over their lifetimes. And going back has been like a no brainer. Like there are people who are saying like, I have to go back, even though I've only lived, I've lived in the U S most of my life. My connection is still to this land uh, across the, across the world that I still feel the need to defend. And, the more you look into it, it is just a harrowing conflict where people, the loss of life is just, it's massive. And we're not really talking about it in this country because a, I think for obvious reasons, there's, there is an election going on. So now Americans, or at least the media goes, the only thing that exists is this horse race. But meanwhile, I'm looking at my city and I'm seeing a lot of pain. I'm seeing a lot of suffering. I'm seeing a lot of 
hurt people. I see Armenian Americans getting all of their resources together to try and send uh, back to Armenia to help people on the front lines of this conflict. And I'm just like, I think it's it. We're, we're doing ourselves a disservice by ignoring it. I'm certainly doing myself a disservice by not talking about it because it I see it affecting my community in Los Angeles and the broader, you know, in the globe. So I think, Jake, what's great about having you here is that you cover global conflict um, on, on your Twitter feed. I see you post a lot about this conflict as well. So I, I mm-hmm. figured it'd be great to just from your perspective, give people a bit of uh, background on this. And just how quickly this is devolving. Yeah, man. I mean, to give you, this is grim, but to give you an idea of how quickly this is devolving, I mean, it's what, a month old now. There's been one beheading, uh, an as as Azerbaijani soldier beheaded, an Armenian guy filmed it, you know, put it on the social media. And then the other day, the uh, Azeri soldiers um kind of captured two two armenians one was an old man who was in his 70s and the other was like lad was like 25 they wrapped an armenian flag around them and then just executed them like shot them filmed it put that on social media and then there was footage the other day of uh armenian soldiers had killed an aziri soldier and like answered his phone and it was his family and they're like yeah your son's dead like to give my point is it's very very extreme very grim very fast you know what i mean but it was always going to be this way because of the situation now they're essentially fighting over contested land and (laughs) annoyingly you know the un has said oh well that land is kind of officially azerbaijan's so then everyone says, oh, well, the UN said we can have it. And it's like, who cares what the UN said? Like, the UN ignores war crimes all the time. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't think they're legitimate in that sense. And then you've got Azerbaijan with loads and loads and loads of money, loads of money on military spending. Turkey is backing them up, sending Syrian mercenaries um, to fight for Azerbaijan. They, they've, they've already parked two Turkish F-16 planes. They just dropped a load of these suicide drones. And then if you look at the Armenians, like their spending is is minuscule compared. They're a very poor country in that respect. And you've just got like the whole community, like you said, just people just going and being like, we have to go and fight. I mean, the prime minister, um, Nikolai Pashinyan, he, he said the other day, like, we'll fight to the end now. Like, basically, I think he realized no one is coming to help. Russia kind of meant to help Armenia, but they don't really care. Um, so I, I think he just realized, like, we just, you know, we'll fight to the end. It's not helpful talk, but... That's the desperation, right? Like he's told everybody, if you can pick up a rifle, pick one up and go to the region. So I think it's very weird to see that modern day kind of vibe that happening in these two countries and then for it to be mostly ignored, Um, especially when it can. You know, I mean, essentially, you've got Turkey, which are helping Azerbaijan, a NATO country, um, which obviously America is a part of. Azerbaijan have literally said they want to genocide people like i'm not exaggerating they've literally said like officially like yes we will wipe them all out like we want to get rid of every single armenian on this land in fact in 2005 i think it was the foreign minister was in germany of all places and said you see what you guys the nazis did to the jews we want to do that to armenians literally said that it's officially you can look it up so there's no Jesus kind of misconception Christ. about what is going to happen there and like you said right. earlier, like, you know, Genocide Watch, I think they put it up to level nine, whatever that means. But basically saying this is going to be very, very bad if the Azeri soldiers get to where they're trying to go. Now, I'm not I'm not trying to act like, oh, the Armenians are these, you know, complete angels. They're not. It's a war. War's grim and nasty. I mean, today, yeah. Armenia used uh, cluster munitions on people in Azerbaijan, which is a big no-no. You know, it's uh, 
I think it's a war crime, actually, uh, technically in the UN's eyes. I don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's grim, but war is grim and war is fought by, you know, brutal violence. But essentially, Azerbaijan did start this offensive a month ago. You know, I've been following this very closely for years, not just now. Like um, on my podcast, Popular Front, we did a we did a episode about Nagorno-Karabakh three years ago, basically saying this is what will happen if the war kicks off. Um, and, it, you know, we were right. So it's very, very grim. It's happening very fast. And like you said, it's pulling in diaspora. It's pulling in different countries where, like, you know, Russia has a base in Armenia, but they supply weapons to Azerbaijan, Turkey, NATO, everything. So it's a big mess, man. And it's worrying. Right. <laughs> it's going to go bad, I think. And we're also even starting to see people, like, audition drones uh, in this battlefield. Like, we're starting to see this new, like, what the new era of drone warfare is trying to look like with, like, a lot because they're getting drones from russia or israel or israel, israel or yeah. turkey and things like that where now it's like well uh it's it's also grim to see like how how things how quickly the fighting is even evolving technologically too uh from like you know from the 90s we used to think of like oh it's like small munitions fire and like mortars and now we're talking about these kinds of drones and yeah it's it's really harrowing and i think for me what really breaks my heart is like i think in the u.s right we don't we we have an attention span for global suffering that is like very very narrow uh mm. and but this is like one of those moments i think for especially for people in la if you know if you have your eyes open and know people in the armenian community like it's really fucked up to even think right these are people i grew up with who are now saying like yo my cousins just left to go fight and i'm like didn't they grow up in the valley they're like yeah but this is the purpose now of mm, our lives yeah. Um, and when you hear people say that my life's purpose has become very clear, suddenly it, you feel sick, you feel awful. You, you wanted help. You don't know what's wrong with your own country because there's, you know, we we saw that there was a ceasefire brokered, but that was, that fell apart. Like within an hour, I feel like there's been three, three ceasefires. None of them lasted more than like 10 minutes. It's crazy. Right. And there's also like, yeah, I'm, I feel like. Azerbaijan has done a great job of, uh, you know, greenwashing uh, a lot of their actions around the world where you can see like some people aren't really talking about it with the full mm. breadth of facts that they should be. Um, and it's yeah, that, that's another part that I think is is really fucked up is that people are also getting very, you know, un- unbalanced uh, presentations of what the situation is. No, you're right. And and also because Azerbaijan has a lot more money to spend on that, you know, the sock puppet account, all of that influence in the media. Right. I mean, Jesus Christ, the other day, the official Instagram account of Azerbaijan McDonald's was promoting the war, literally saying like, go soldiers, like McDonald's, like what the fuck? Um, and the problem is, you know, people Jesus. say to me, oh, well, you're, you're, you're biased to this, you're biased to Armenia. And I'm saying it's not biased to point out one side has literally said we want to genocide someone. That's literally the truth. If as a, if Armenia does something bad, we discuss it as well. I say, well, why do they use you know cluster munitions? Um, but but when one side is literally saying we want to genocide you, and the Armenians have already been through a genocide, which NATO's second largest country or NATO's second largest army, uh, Turkey denies ever happened, having done it. Like, you got to say, this is not good. Like, this is going very bad. And you're yeah. talking about, like, you know, you're seeing people leave from L.A. Well, we saw something in Europe last night, a very a different reversal role, I guess. Um, the diaspora Turkish and Azeri community got together last night uh, in Lyon. 
and went on a, a lynch mob. There was hundreds of them walking through the streets, smashing things, saying, come out, you Armenian dogs. And they just started attacking, like, Armenian people. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is seriously getting out of hand, you know? Um, and I'm not right. saying, oh, bad, good. There is no good and bad in war. It's, it's just all bad, you know? But at the end of the day... It's, you have to point out what's going wrong yeah it's no it's no use saying well what about this side what about that side when we're talking about literal genocide and i don't use that word lightly people always use that word and often it's it's like no that was a mass murder or it wasn't even that you know but this it could be you know like we said the, <laughs> the government in azerbaijan is like yeah yeah we want to do a genocide like right. what can you do it's fucked yeah on the the limit of the U.S. news consumer's imagination. Part of me thinks you need to like really put them in the position of the people in the war. Like one of the best uh, ways that I've heard somebody get people to care about a foreign conflict was actually in Robert Evans's uh, "It Could Happen Here" because he yeah. was using like foreign conflicts as a metaphor for what could happen in the United States. And I, I just wonder, like the way death of Stalin just made everyone an English speaker with like mannerisms and affectations that we could all mm. understand culturally. I wonder like if that's sort of how we need to be thinking about getting Americans to, to care. Like, even though it's, it sounds incredibly dumb uh, and like, it's like, well, if they're, if it's that hard to hold their hand, then like, you know what, maybe just fuck them. But <laughs> at the same time, it is like, so, I don't know. It's so easy to relate to if you just get past a certain point. Mm. I just think there's a short circuit that happens when they hear a foreign city name, they hear a foreign country name, and Americans, uh, especially like modern Americans, have lived their lives completely dissociated from being near any sort of war. Like even the wars that America has fought have been distant uh, and, you know, only happening on the news. And I think the. Uh, the American brain has just learned to just be like, well, that's something that happened somewhere else. I can short circuit that, turn it off. But uh, first of all, it's not that far from uh, where we are at this moment politically. Uh, and second of all, I, I think that I think there's a way to get them to understand like this is this would be like if you know, U.S. states went to war with one another, like just like in terms of the size of the state, in terms of the population, like in terms of mm. the interstate rivalries, like uh, they're not quite that bad. But we we battle them out on like stupid, like getting drunk and watching football games. But like, you know, I, I do think that there's like corollaries that could help make it make sense to people. Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know enough about America really to think what the comparison would be, but I know what you mean. And I, I think that's, it's not just America as well. I think for a lot of people, I understand, you know, like people working 60, 70 hours a week, like breaking their neck, they haven't got time. You know, you can't expect yeah. them to always do it. But like you said, it's like, I and I, I believe what I, I think you're saying as well. I think if there is like hell going on in the world and you're in a peaceful place, relatively you should, it's kind of, you're obliged to at least know that it's happening, I think, you know, just just to your fellow man, your fellow woman, right? It's like, you should know that these people are living through hell and that there's fighting going on. 
but I found that that's not a good enough way to get people to care for my work. Um, the way I, I've always approached it with my like reporting, specifically my documentaries, is we spend a lot of time around the people. It's not like go to the front line and then fuck off. It's like no, we we you know when I was filming with Kurdish militants. We lived with them, we slept with them, we ate with them, not like that, but you know what I'm saying? We were with them right. all the time. And, you know, when you see the documentaries, it's like, oh, right, they're just like me, but they're just unfortunately in a place where war is on their doorstep. Right. You know, these are young men and women that would rather be playing PlayStation or doing sports or going to school, but unfortunately they don't have that um, that privilege to do so. So, you know, people have this idea that like, oh, balaclava or gun or whatever. And it's like, oh, the big bad guy or it's terrorism or whatever. Like often it's just people that are like, fuck, I'm going to lose. Like my mum won't have anywhere to live if we lose this land, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think when you kind of knock it down to that very basic level of like, how would you feel if um, your grandparents, you know, didn't have a house anymore? Like it's literally that. I mean, in, in 2016, there was a what they call the four day war. Um, this Nagorno-Karabakh conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan flared up again. Within four days, uh, Yazidi soldiers beheaded a young Armenian Yazidi man and broke into the home of two old people and cut off their ears, um, which was like an old kind of brutal thing that used to happen in the 90s, you know. So it's that, like, imagine that happening to your grandparents, right? Imagine that happening to your friend. Like, oh, he's gone to war, now they cut his head off or, or whatever, you know. Or, or the other day, or let's, even the other side, the other day there was a video of some Armenian, like, gun-butting a guy to death that they'd captured. It's just horrific, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's so grisly and it's 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 worth knowing. Like, you know, no, normal people are forced into these situations. Yeah. No one wants to be at war. They didn't choose it, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And there's this very surreal video that's also kind of making a lot of sense. Uh, an Oregon health official went on and announced COVID stats uh, in clown makeup. Yeah. <laughs> Claire it, Poche or Poach. It it just feels, again, very 2020. Uh, <laughs> this, it's, you know, public access TV. Uh, she works for the Oregon Health Authority, and she's announcing COVID statistics in like old timey, like boxcar clown makeup. Yeah, uh, and I'm just for people who uh, we're watching the video, but just imagine that the voice saying this is dressed in just a really cool clown outfit. As of today, there have been 38,160 cases of COVID-19 in Oregon with 390 new cases being reported today. Sadly, we are also reporting three deaths today, bringing the statewide total for COVID-19 related deaths to 608. Yeah. Um, it's so strange. Everyone has so many questions about this. They're saying why, like at a certain point, you'd be like, oh wait, hold on. Claire's about to do the announcement in clown makeup. Okay, tag in an intern or fucking right. anyone else. So it doesn't look like sort of how the U.S. is responding to this, like in a very like with buffoonery and like this disconnection to reality. Um, and other people were like, well, you know, it's like Halloween. So I get it. Maybe people are like doing costume stuff. What? This video was recorded <laughs> on October 14th. So this I is mean, two weeks out. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's just. Uh, she not know. said why? No. 
they're the fuck? like when they were asked, the officials from the the department were like, "It's just a costume. That's that's it. That's all that was." And like no other comment. She's wearing a costume. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just so uh, on brand for for this year that visual. But yeah, just thought I had to to bring that up because everything wow. is so surreal. I thought this story was like about a piece of performance art where she was like being like kind of just this is this is what our government is is like a complete clown show uh and but the fact that she's just been like yeah no i don't know <laughs> just thought it was yeah. some some wild shit to, to rock right? in this video yeah well uh, i'm a clown what yeah <laughs> wait what's the problem hold on, yeah. hold on hold on get what you said this is a costume or did you hear what i said about covid infections oh, it's such God. a yeah the and even then, like apparently in the full clip, Claire never talks about the costume. Like never is like, please pardon. You know what I mean? Like you'd feel like if you were aware, you'd be like, I'm terribly sorry about my appearance for this. Um, so I would just, or you would just be like, hi, camera person, just go to the person who's doing the sign language interpretation. Just focus on that. Maybe just give me a a, a still photo. Uh, right. You don't yeah. have to show me animated, but. It's so weird. It is what it is. I mean, this is legitimately a bit that Will Ferrell did when we were announcing the like joint venture uh, podcast network we launched with him. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, at the at the upfronts where like you announce like what your upcoming slate is to advertisers. Our CEO was like, and here's Will Ferrell to talk about to announce something. He just got on and did like a very straightforward like announcement of why he was excited about the podcast space, but he had like just very strange clown makeup on and never addressed it at all. And it was like very funny, but amazing this is, bit, but yeah, yeah, an amazing bit that this in, con- in the context feels, of it, yeah. yeah, feels contextually a little bit like a little bit of a stranger um, use of of that bit. Um, Maybe she's trying to bring attention to her state or something, right? That could that you, you that would make would sense. Tell to you me. by now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless she did. Or it, you're really it, living it, that shit. You know? <laughs> yeah, she she's too busy to uh, travel in the rails with a bindle stick to. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oof. Um. Yeah. Maybe she, that was like she was making a big political statement, but then her higher ups were just like shut up and so yeah. she hasn't been able to explain it i don't yeah, know maybe. all right let's talk kim kardashian this is just yet another kind of glimpse into the world of celebrity it's almost like a portal from three years ago these famous very wealthy people are still living in the world that built them uh mm-hmm. you know uh she got famous she got extremely wealthy doing shit like this like living a wild luxurious lifestyle giving us tours of her like 20 million dollar home uh that like has sinks without (laughs) sink basins uh and (laughs) and before like just a couple years ago that's what we pointed to we were like ah that place looks weird Rather than like you know just how brutally unequal our, our our culture is, our society is, but this this was especially tasteless. So yeah. Kim, for her fortieth, took I don't know like a hundred of her closest friends uh, to a Tahitian island 
probably spent millions of dollars doing this. It looked like millions of dollars. And then posted about it in detail on social media, just loads of pictures uh, of everybody partying together with no masks on, except for the waiters who had to wear masks because they were risking their lives to, uh, you know, wait, wait on these people. But yeah, I don't know. Like she, I understand the tone deafness because she built a career doing shit like this. Yeah, but it's weird. They... They don't have. They haven't gotten the note yet, which yeah. is so odd. They still think it's 2019, and like the celebrity wor- worship shit is still, you know, at the like firing at the same level it used to. I think the Imagine video was the I first was opportunity yeah. for a lot of celebrities to be like, okay, Absolutely. we need to shut the fuck up, hide, and not show, uh, reveal any dimension of how our lives are as like the hyper privileged, you know, luxury life leading people we are. Yet. There's still like this thing where it's still like there's still the flex, like the celebrities still need to do the flex and people don't they're not reading the room. The flex is dead. The flex is vulgar and the flex has now become violent. Um, And by being like, (laughs) I don't know, 40 and feeling so humbled. There's like I think there's a there's a moment in her like tweet thread where she's like, I realize how most people in times like this aren't able to do that. So I'm super humbled by my privilege. (laughs) As if that's like humbled by my, I'm humbly reminded of how privileged my life is. Oh, just man. leave it alone. You, you know it's, where she is. I um, I read today that so where they had the uh, the party, um, it per capita, it's the third worst place for having COVID. <laughs> so it's like, oh shit, yeah. Really? So it's, God knows how many people maybe have got infected and spread it to who knows who after the back of it. You know, it's just irresponsible on so many levels as well you know even medically i think absolutely there's this i i don't know when they're gonna realize that like the 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 balance has completely shifted in terms of like the aesthetic that people find appealing and those they find just angering you know Mm. and when you have when we're living in a country especially the united states where the federal government has completely turned its back on working people and those who are unemployed or even only certain municipalities are like, okay, maybe we shouldn't evict people in a time where many people aren't able to work. That to then flaunt this like private jet bullshit where like everyone's being like, essentially just distills to, we're so rich, we can fucking erase everything that's happening mm. in your poor people life existence and keep our shit going. Because guess what? The show don't stop for a hoe. Uh, we keep it going and like these people will we're, we're wear masks because they're working people and God forbid we spend all this money to to act like nothing's going on that we get sick. It's just really, I feel like the smart, if if you're smart, if you're a celebrity, because I know so many A-list celebrities listen to this podcast, uh, yeah. just fucking hide because people are, people's attitudes are changing very rapidly to the like this have and have nots culture we have. And most people are not being like, it would be sick if I had that. Most people are like, I'm going to fucking eat you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do do you know what I noticed as well? I think like, I think you've really hit the nail on the head there. Um, But, but what I noticed, especially amongst friends, it went from realizing have and have not is actually us versus them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that's necessarily a bad thing because if you can use it to be like, let's have a more just society, let's educate people on there is another way or we can be fairer. We don't have to be like 
hyper-capitalist celebrity lunatics. Like, I think this might be a good thing where people stop trying to obtain that wealth and celebrity. Maybe not, but I think there's certainly people that have shocked me who have been like, fuck, like, Kardashian or fuck whoever, whereas before I wouldn't have thought they'd said that. So, right. but no, I, I agree with you completely, man. It's it's such a fucking deaf moment, right? When did yeah. when did she become famous? Like, when did their family... It was, like, during the 2010s. Like, that's when... Cause well, the, if, you yeah. mean the sex tape? Well, first she yeah. was Paris Hilton's. She was Paris Hilton's BFF, and right. she was getting in the background with a lot of club shots when Paris was going to the party. And they were like, "Who is Paris's new friend with the dark hair?" Mm. Uh, and they're like, "That's Robert Kardashian, OJ's lawyer's daughter, Kim." And then the sex tape got her like her own lane. And then from there, you know, one thing just led to another. Boom, boom, boom. Because for a while, I think. It was we were living at a point like in American culture where it was just easy to just dismiss all the ills of the of the country to just be like, nah, yeah, maybe I work. I'm being underpaid and overworked, but I go on, I pop on E and I escape to my world where, uh, oh, my God, Scott Disick is a mess (laughs) and Mason is so cute. And now when as things just become more vivid about like how what the actual the sickness that exists in our country, especially with like the worship of material goods and items that you look at this and you're like, this offers me no comfort anymore. This actually is angering. And to your point, Jake, like, yeah, like it's hopefully will erode this like false class solidarity. A lot of people have with celebrities by being like, well, leave her alone. Where now people are like the, the replies to Kim Kardashian's that those tweets, I think, say it all where people are like, hey, asshole, like I haven't seen my family in months because they're elderly and I also can't afford to go there because I have no job. But yeah, do you on your fucking island? Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. I feel like when we look back years from now, like this period from like when Paris Hilton became famous to uh, 2020 will be the period that like looks very strange you know like that doesn't make because like in the 90s and 80s like i I always talk about this like concept of like selling out being a thing that people thought was a bad thing and then like it just went away like people just you know like kurt cobain was like mortified that he was wealthy uh and like i think yeah, I just think there's a returning awareness. Like we're waking up from this dream where it was just pure aspirational bullshit, and now mm-hmm. it's uh, now it's back to reality. Like yeah. where in the early '90s, people were like, "Yeah, you can sell out. You selling out is a bad thing. Like that's mm. that's not cool." Well, yeah, I think we've just we've reached the end of the drug trip of like worshiping these status symbols you know right. because we we completely burnt it out to the point where now it's like you see it that's all vaporware like it's not real yeah. it's just it was some shit to comfort you uh about maybe what your own future is and i think as more people get with the reality like man i'm not gonna be some fucking influencer driving around 900 lamborghinis like that's fucking stupid like i would just like to own a little piece of land and have my kids get educated and not have to worry about like my health care uh because yeah. right now i live in a country where I could be killed by the police, have no health insurance, and people are dragged out of their homes because they're from some other place. Like that's mm. that's what's becoming very real to a lot of people. So yeah, I mean, you know, down with the Kardashian bullshit. You know, uh, we'll see we'll see what replaces it. So something else that I, I just want to mention quickly is that I've noticed in my country, in Britain at least, like class is becoming more recognized again. You know, yeah. like when I was a kid, class was a very big issue. It wasn't about like you know, it's like if you're class, whatever, you're all together. 
Now, a good thing that the kind of, you know, like the kind of woke celebrity stuff, I know a lot of people are like, fuck them. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you can't say that because you're so rich. You don't know what it's like with me and or Tim and Youssef and whoever else, you know? So right. in my country, I've, I've noticed, which I think is a good thing, you know, like you know, solidarity with each other. Like, hey, we're both fucking poor. We don't need to hate each other. It's them who are lying, you know? And I think, right. I think that can only be a good thing personally, so long as yeah. it's, you know, constructive. <laughs> right. And yeah. I think, yeah, because for, for other people who are like, man, you know, wow, you know, why our situation's so bad in whatever ex-American city and they go like, because of the immigrants or whatever, oh. I'm sure at a certain point they look around and like, well, where are the immigrants that have all that money they took from you? Because I'm sure comparatively <laughs> you're doing much right. better than them. So please explain where that money went. I, exactly. I will actually, I will challenge you to a thought experiment and look at how your bosses live and look at how yeah. the people above them live because exactly. they, they might be. That might be where your money's going, not these other downtrodden people that your bosses have very uh, skillfully convinced you is the root cause of your uh, lack of opportunity uh, when the whole time it was them. And I think right. maybe that's what people are starting to see with the Kardashians. It was like, it was them. That's yeah. Fuck this. Yeah. yeah and I mean, this has been the period of, you know, in addition to buying into that world of celebrity and like, yeah, we us and the woke celebrities are on the same side. Fox News has like given the alternate, like you were saying, Miles, the the immigrants took our jobs explanation, and hopefully we're coming to an end of that, where like people aren't coming up with these like bullshit polarization ideas, where we're just buying into, uh, well, I'm I'm for the celebrities, and you're for Sean Hannity, and it's like no, those <laughs> they're the same side, and they can go Literally. fuck themselves, yeah. Um, Jake, it's been great having you, man. Um, yeah, man, thank you people, so much. Where can people find you, follow you, hear you, all that good stuff? Um, normally on Twitter, at, uh, Jake underscore Hanrahan. That's my surname's annoying. It's H A N R A H A N. Um, on my website, jakehanrahan.com. You'll see all my work there. Nice. And uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Yeah, no, yeah. Today I saw uh, my friend posted it. Uh, you know, Kowloon, the walled city. Um, I think it was in Hong Kong like years ago. They just kept building up and up and up. And it was like a slum, but it was like up, you know, and it was so cool. And then someone found some rare photos and was just like tweeting a thread of that out today. And it's just amazing. It's knocked down now. But uh, yeah, really cool, man. Nice. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray and also uh, my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, where I escape reality by diving into reality television, uh, as, as one is wont to do. Uh, okay, now let's see. A tweet that I like. Uh, let's go with this one from past guest Tamara Yahia uh, at Dances with Tamis. She tweets, my sister is watching the newsroom and thinks Jeff Daniels is Dave Coulier. She said, <laughs> she said, good for him. It's nice to see him doing a dramatic role. No one is correcting her. <laughs> All right. Some tweets I've been enjoying. Uh, uh, there's, there's one that's a visual thing that people can just find on my feed because I retweeted it from Rob Delaney. It's just a video where he said this is insanely impressive. It's a physical stunt that uh, is very impressive. People should should check it out. Paula Viganalan, a former guest, tweeted, Legends were just the loudest men at the time. 
And then uh, Patrick Monahan tweeted, they call me Mr. Says Thanks multiple times in the same email before signing off. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I identified that. Mm. You ever, uh, before you send, you're like, fuck, I got to get rid of a couple of these things. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I do uh, have time to reread an email before I send it, yeah, it's usually to make it less uh, profusely like, yes, sir. Thank you, thank Here you, you go, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, we yeah. appreciate it. Thank you for reading this. Uh, it's a always day. a thanks thank sandwich. You, the first <laughs> word is thanks, and the last word is thanks. Thanks. <laughs> and thanks for that. Thanks again, Jack. Thanks. <laughs> you ever Just send like a escalating a exclamation LOL. points? Yeah, double right, right. LOL. Double LOL is just, oh, <laughs> so many times. Like, there's times when I'm conflicted about using an exclamation point. I'm like, do I really mean to be this excited about it? Or <laughs> yeah. should I be real with them and use a period so they know where I'm at emotionally with this? Thanks. As opposed to <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's totally thanks. different. Yeah. But people do need to check out that Rob Delaney thing because it's the most I've been laughing uh, at a tweet probably in months. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what are we riding out on today? We're going to go out on a track by Slow Tie featuring James Blake and Mount Kimby. It's are called Feel Away. No, he's from where I'm from. Slow ties from where I'm from. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. look, I love UK music. I love all music. That's so cool. you know, I've been on a, I've been on a sort of uh, drill kick recently as well. Uh, but yeah, this is this track's like it's got it all. You got James Blake, you got Slow Tie, you got that Mount Kimby feeling. Uh, so this is called Feel Away because I think yeah, we're just trying to feel away whatever we're feeling. So good title for in a good time. Feel it away. Feel mm-hmm. it. Away. Uh, all right. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye. Suddenly, you know how fun man I used to be, but you feel me and how fun bitch you could have been. It's not you, so I guess it's me. It's not you, so I guess it's me Suddenly, you know how fun man I used to be But you feel me and how fun bitch you could have been It's not you, so I guess it's me This time out This time out This time out This time out